0: Well, praise God. Man, I had a great week. We, my, we took off a little time. It was my birthday. We went off, found a cool place. If you can believe there is a cool place. Uh, I mean cool, like 55. Uh, like I got out, went in the morning, sat there. It's Sunday morning, Dr. Brown's preaching, praise and worship's going on. I'm drinking coffee in my shorts with the coat on, propped up, checking it all out. It was cool. But uh, I was really impressed. I, I've never watched the broadcast because I can't stand to look at myself and I can't stand to hear myself. And so when I, I, I just can't do it. But so it was fun watching the whole service and all the, the shots. It looks great. And I, I'm so impressed with everything that's gone on and the way it looks and glory to God. So we're pro there. And uh, Dr. Brown did a great job. I hope y'all were here. If you weren't, you need to go back and listen to the tapes. Uh Praise and worship, all the praise and worship, everybody doing that it was great, man, it was great, I was happy. So, uh, so I got to sit up there and just talk to the Lord and the nice cool and, and, and got to just fellowship with him and it was great for a few days and uh, so I'm back, I'm on fire, I'm ready to just tear it up, I hope y'all are, Amen? So get your Bibles out and go to the book of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24.10. The title of this message is Battle Axe. You know, I got to thinking about it after I got this title and started thinking about it, you know. That used to be kind of a derogatory term when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> they say, man, she's an old battle axe, you know. So I, I, but I, y'all just had to just go with it, okay? <laughs> Proverbs 24.10. says, if you faint in the day of adversity your strength is small. Deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. You know, we don't like to hear things like that, right? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength was small. In other words, if you faint the day of adversity, it's your fault. We don't want to hear that. This generation today does not want to hear anything about it could possibly be your fault for the situation you're in. That's the whole problem with what's going on today. No one wants to take responsibility, and everybody wants everything to line up the way they want it to, and they're not willing to put forth any effort to change their lives. Amen? So the Bible says if you faint the day of adversity, well, your strength was small. Okay, so now I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 50. I got so excited over this scripture. I've got to have read this thing a zillion times, but I just never, uh, it never leapt off quite like it did, and uh, Jeremiah 50, 25, Jeremiah 50, 25, it says, the Lord has opened his armory and has brought out the weapons of his indignation. For this is the work of the Lord God of hosts in the land of the Chaldeans. So when I read this, I started laughing. I said, God has a gun room. (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking, here it is. God in heaven. What does his armory look like? Huh? Just think about that. God's got a gun room. What does his gun room look like? I mean, what, what calibers could he have and how many? He's got a big army to man. I said, well, God doesn't do that. He says he's got an armory. It's not like that. It's a spiritual. Well, we're going to get into that a little bit. But God's got an armory. Everybody says he's got an armory. So that means if God has an armory, well, then it means he's got a weapon for you. Hear this. His armory is big enough, and God has a weapon for you. Now go to Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah 51 verse 20. Here we go. It says, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you I will break the nations in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms. Come on. God says, I got an armory, (laughs) and. I got your weapon you need and you're going to be my battle axe. And we're going to destroy nations. Listen to this. See folks, we live in a world today where it's it's all deception. It's all smoke and mirrors. All right? It's all smoke and mirrors. That we live in a world right now to where it, it, the 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 television, the news broadcast, the you know, YouTube channels, everything wants you to believe that, that America has really, everybody wants to go out and burn their flag. Everybody wants to become a a communist. Everybody wants to be, a socialist. this is what they're portraying into the world right now, okay? Uh, Then they get mad, say, preachers ought to not be involved in politics. We ought to not, we ought to all get out, you know, this, but listen to me, we need to have, my job is, is to teach you sound wisdom, my job is, is to, to teach you what the word of God says and to teach you how to become God's battle ax in these days, and these times. All right. So I'm, I'm unashamed this morning to stand up here and tell you, man, it, it's time for you to become a battle ax. It's time for you to rise up as we, as we traveled and, and we didn't go far. We just went into New Mexico and, uh, and, and, but I was so amazed that we'd go into a restaurant and, and the owners of the restaurants and their wives were in there bussing tables and cooking because there's no one there that, to work. No one wants to work. And, and so everybody's getting paid to not be at work. And so they can't do it. And they were frustrated. They're, 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 they're scratching, trying to keep their businesses open and going. And yet they would just could take in just the, the, the room full and close the doors and tell their bus, I'm sorry, we can, we, we can only cook for these. We can't. We can't do any more, you know, and, uh, and, and you can see the frustration and the worry on their faces, and, and uh, at this one restaurant, the guy was there, and I could see, man, this dude's sweating. He's, he's hurting, you know. He's, he's just trying to do everything, and he comes over to the table, and, he, and I looked at him, and I said, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I, feel so, I feel bad to even order anything. I hate to make you do anything else, and I said, uh, I said man, I'll tell you what will make it easy on. Just bring me a chicken strip basket, and the guy almost started crying. He's like, thank you. I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll double tip. I mean, I, I feel like I need to just throw money at y'all to even try to keep stay open. So, my point is, is things aren't working. God needs a battle axe, and you're His battle axe. Everybody say I'm His battle axe. Look at the person beside him. And say you look like a battle axe. <laughs> Uh, don't worry, we have communion here at the end of service. <laughs> we'll get it all straight. So so Dr. Brown was preaching, and I had no idea he, you know, what he was going to be preaching on, and, and, and God was dealing with me about this. And he was preaching on the heart, how hey, you got to have your heart right. And uh, it was a great message, and, and all of them were. And, uh, and so it got, me, it got me all stirred up thinking about this. Okay, God, if you want us to be the battle axe, then where's our battlefield hello where's our battlefield and so i was praying about it and saying lord show me the battlefield show me because you're saying that you have the weapon in your armory to give me so that i can be successful right so that i can be successful in the battle like you don't want to go out there with a 20 pound sword hello if you're in close quarter combat, you don't want a 20-pound, six-foot sword fighting, right? It ain't going to be a swing-up baby. You're going to want the weapon for the situation. So I said, where's our battlefield? Where, where's the battlefield? And so, you know, as always with the Lord, he always tells me, and sometimes I don't like it. I was like, really? So I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He told me, there's two battle fronts you've got to fight on. There's two battle fronts that I want you to be a battle axe. Two of them. Second Corinthians chapter 10, I'll start in verse three. It says, "Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God. What weapons? Those weapons he got out of his armory, but are mighty in God. For what? Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God and being ready to punish all disobedience when your your obedience is fulfilled. So the first place he said to me that you're going to have your first battlefront is within your own mind and your own heart. And then I start listening to the message and Dr. Brown's preaching on the heart, and I'm like, oh, yeah, get them all primed, Lord, and I'll come in here. So the first battlefield you're going to have to take, God's armor and his battle axe, is into your own life, into your own mind, and your own heart, okay? Now, I don't want to spend a bunch of time, because Dr. Brown did a great job on preaching about the heart, so I don't want to go back over all of that. But, you know, the bottom line is, folks, you're going to have to admit it. A lot of us are just crazy, and you don't think you're crazy, but you are. I'm sorry. I was, when, when, when last Sunday's message was going on, I kept, I got to laughing because I got to thinking about, isn't the comedian Jeff Foxworthy that does, This is Your Sign? Isn't that, isn't that, it's Foxworthy? Bill Ingvall. Okay, Bill Ingvall, that's right. Bill Ingvall, and he says, This is your sign, right? And as we were, as he was preaching about the heart, I got to thinking about, How do you know if your heart's wrong? And then I thought, Well, if you think everybody else in the world needs to change to be like you, this is your sign. Your heart's wrong. You know, and I started thinking about it like that. You know, if you can't get along with anybody, ah, this is your sign. Your heart's wrong. Hello? See, the world right now wants everybody. We have, we have like 4% of the population that wants the rest of all of us to change into a counterculture that they want. That tells me that that 4% has something wrong with their heart hello? And until you recognize, and I'm not talking about what you wear, your clothes. I'm not talking about that. You got to wear boots. You got to wear a hat. You got to do this. No. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about your appearance when I'm talking about this. I'm talking about getting along with people, loving people. Hello? I mean, didn't Jesus tell us that one of our greatest, the, 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 the greatest thing you can do is love God. And uh, uh, I believe the other one was love people, Right? But if you can't get along with anybody, the problem is probably not them, but you. But we don't want to admit that. So God says, you're going to have to go to war in your own mind, in your own heart. And he said, well, this is just how I am. Y'all have to love me. No, the truth is the matter. Somewhere along your road of life, you got wounded and hurt. So therefore, you developed to this person you are And just because you're a porcupine and nobody can pet you is not the fault of the world. You need to learn how to brush them quills down, which means you have to take the battle axe, whatever God has in his armory, whatever God's weapon is for you that can deliver you and set you free and make you whole and make you complete so that you don't have to be angry when it doesn't go your way. Y'all are saying right now, I wish Dr. Brown would come back up here. Reach. But are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You know, folks, who we'll always want to look and say it's the other person's fault, but we have to look at our own heart. We have to ask God, what is there a stronghold in my life? Has something happened to me in life that developed me to be like I am? So many people in life are, are act angry and come across angry, but the real truth of the matter, if you look at it, it's just fear. It's just fear within them that they're not going to get their way. It's not going to go there. So they're going to try that factor. How about manipulation? How about just using manipulation to get what you want? Folks, listen to me. That's not right. <laughs> Ooh, preaching good, aren't I? Y'all say, where'd he go? Send him back. But this morning we got, we, 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 you know, today in today's world is what I'm trying to say, is we have a, a culture that uh, 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 that wants, a, wants a, what they're calling the counterculture, right? In other words, whatever the culture is, they just want to be counter to that. Whatever Whatever's going on, we want it to be the opposite of that, right? But then again, when you look at it and you look at the peers, because peers are who set your culture. Are you following me? I grew up in the age uh, of watching uh, Roy Rogers, John Wayne, uh, you know, where, where, where people were noble and honest and and, and did what was right. And uh, yeah, they got in a fight with a bad guy, but the bad guy was a bad guy. He was Black Bart, you know, and you got rid of Black Bart and you got the girl and you rode off on the horse out into the sunset. Pretty simple life. I just grew up, it developed me a culture. What we have to do today is we have to develop our culture but let me ask you this see as a christian are you the christian you are because that's who you you aspire to be this person because you were influenced by peers who were godly and this is how you wanted to be or are you just religious and you got into that culture but it's it wasn't ever really right we have to develop a culture church I don't like the fact that most of the time when I travel, I, I have to start planning as soon as I leave, and I'm, I've left Utopia, and I'm driving off, I have to start planning that as somebody comes up to me and says, well, what do you do? What am I going to tell them? You think, this is, this is sad, because I don't ever want to tell anybody I'm a preacher, because every time I do, man, the walls get thrown up, and nobody likes preacher. Because somebody's got a story—some church that did them wrong, or some preacher that did them wrong, or that church did this, or that church did that, or whatever. So, <coughs> you know, I, 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 I struggle with what to say. If anybody asks me, what do you do? I've done everything from well, I raise sheep. And I thought that don't sound too good, you know. <laughs> Motivational instructor, you know. uh this whatever, I try to come up with stuff, you know, and, 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 but my point is, is because, see, Christians have developed a culture themselves, and the cultures that they've developed is, is that they're, they're, they're better than everybody, their nose is a little up in the air, they're cliquish, they're clannish, you know, uh, you've got to be in their group, you know, la, 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 to be into that, or their denomination, or you do this, or we don't do that, or they frown on everybody, or you didn't dress right, or you didn't look right, or you ate that, oh my God, you know? With me? And so Christianity has developed a culture. We've got to change it, church. And you're, I declare, God's battle axe to change it. But you're going to have to do some whacking on yourself. You're going to have to look on the inside of your own heart and the inside of your own mind and the inside of your own thinking. And let God use the weapon from his armory that will deliver you. So that you can have a culture like Jesus. Because let me ask yourself a question. Just let me ask you this question. Who are you in Christ? How do you see yourself? Like, I was telling a person this the other day. <clears throat> I, I, I told him, I said, look, if, if there was no God and, 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 and there was no anything, there is. Don't take that out as a clip. I would still want to be a good person. I don't want to be bad. I, I don't want to hurt people. I don't want to, I, I don't want to see people suffer. I don't, want to, I don't want to be intimidating and be a brute and push people around and manipulate people and steal and cheat and lie. I don't want to do that. That's not me, that's not who I am. I don't want to be that person anyway. And if an alien spaceship was to sit down in the parking lot, and I mean, they brought out the cameras, and there he walked out, and everybody said, no, oh, listen, I, just, I wrote that Bible, and I'm God, and whatever, I said, oh, whatever, dude, I'm going to live by it, because I, I say it's right. I say it's right to treat people right. You don't, have to, you don't have to come to me and put a law on me to tell me that I shouldn't be racist. I'm not racist because my Bible tells me that's not the way to be. It's not in my nature. I don't want to be racist. I don't want to judge a person based upon skin color. In the story that's stupid i never have in my whole life are you with me and so you don't need to mandate a law that tells me that i can't you shouldn't do that i'm not going to do it i don't want to be that person are y'all with me but we've got a culture today that wants to do wrong that wants to live a life that is not productive is not going to bear fruit it's not going to be healthy Is not going to, to to produce joy in their lives, and they want to do that, but they want to be it to be okay. That's the bottom line. They want it to be okay. And I'm like, it's not okay. It's going to end in shipwreck. The love in my heart wants me to stand up in front of me and say, look, dude, don't do that. It's not going to end good. You can't do that. If the rat poison, just because you like the way it looks, don't eat it. It's not going to work out. It's not going to be good. Don't eat the rat poison. But we have a culture. Well, so-and-so. He, he ate the rat poison. Yeah, he ain't right. <laughs> we have teenagers pattern their lives after gangsters that do drive-by shootings and all this, and they sing about it and the music, and they do all this, and they promote it and say, oh, this is great, this is cool, let's be like that. Well, it's going to end in shipwreck. You don't want to be like that. Are you following me? But I'm asking you this morning, have you ever sat down and thought about your heart and who are you in in Christ and who do you want to be? How how do you want to be recognized? What do you want on on your tombstone? You don't want your wife to carve on the tombstone where it should say, rest in peace, and they say, thank God he's gone. (laughs) Finally. Or somebody just says, "Shh." <laughs> so it's on your tombstone. Shh. finally. Right? We want to be blessings. We want to be encouragers. You want to be the person that when you walk in the cafe, everybody says, oh, God, make, take, move that chair away. You don't want to be that person. Right? You want to be the person who walks in the cafe and says, no, I hope so-and-so comes in today. Because so, every time I'm around them, I feel good. My sweet wife. She goes into a store in the middle of nowhere, nobody, we don't know anybody, goes in there. Next thing you know, she's coming back telling me about having this conversation with this lady. She says, do I know you? And they go on and find out they both knew Jesus. And that was the connection. And of course, that didn't happen to me because I'm just sitting in the truck the whole time. <laughs> but my point is, what do you want to be? Okay, What's your culture? What's set in your, you're not going to be able to have war and be a battle axe for God if you don't know right now, who do you, you want to be? Who are you aspiring to be? Who's your role model in life? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. It says, for though you, have, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel therefore I urge you imitate me the apostle paul still in the church of corinth look he said you got a lot of people that want to preach jesus a lot of people that say jesus is jesus is that but he said you don't really have many fathers in other words somebody who's molding you and helping you to become the man of god or woman that you should be right so aren't christians like that too today i mean there's a lot of instructors but how many people actually says I, I, I want to imitate him. I want to be like him. So in my own life, okay, in my own life, I, I've, I've aspired, I've researched men of God's lives and I've looked at them and I, I can't say that like, oh, everything about that, but I want to be just like him. No, I, I like what he did. I like what he did. I like what he did. I like what she did. And I look and I look and say, is that compatible with my heart? or what do i need to change some furniture in my own life so that then that fits do you follow me one of the one of the things when i was going to bible school that most impressed me was i i got hold of some videotapes i mean these dudes were like like the old vhs videotapes and it was called god's generals and uh, i watched those things and it and it basically told about m- uh, men of God who had, you know, from way back and all the way through and told their life story and about how, you know, they had risen, but it also showed how every one of them fell. And I remember being really impressed with that about, it. ooh, yeah, I like that, but I need to be careful because I don't want to do what he did because I don't want to fall. Okay, that's called looking at your peers, looking at somebody that's gone before you in development. What we have to do as Christians today is we have to look and say, okay, you shouldn't be mad at, at uh, a Christian because some Christian did you wrong. You've got to use God's armor, out of God's armor his weapon into your heart to defeat whatever makes you mad about them. Hear what I'm saying, folks. Listen, you can't do nothing about them. You can only do something about you. And there is no excuse of saying, well, this is just how I had to be. You know, I had a rough childhood and I had this, that, and the other. And so, uh, you know, this is, I'm just saying am like I am. Y'all just going to let me know. You need to reach into the armory of God. Find out what weapon can set you free. Let God use that on you. You become the battle axe in your own heart. You get yourself right. And then you know what? The rest of it's going to line up. Oh, so-and-so over there may not ever change, but you can't do anything about that. You can just change you. But, you know, it takes effort. And a lot of people don't want to put forth any effort. They just want everything to be handed to them. Now, I don't understand that because from, you know, my youngest recollections of life, I was working. We, we grew up on a ranch, and I was feeding an animal. I was taking care of something. There was something, you know, from my earliest childhood, as I remember, most people say, oh, you know, I... I all of mine, I was carrying a feed sack. I mean, my dad, God bless him, taught me a lot of good things, but I remember going out and he'd take me out into the field, put a jug of water on the tractor and leave me there at eight o'clock and come back at five and pick me up. And I was supposed to have plowed the field. That's just the way it was. Didn't know there was anything different than that. Right. I tease my grandkids all the time when they're working for me. They hurt themselves. I look at it and say, ah, and that ain't enough blood. You just keep working. (laughs) Put a, put a blue towel on it, wrap some electrical tape on it. You can keep going. It ain't, it's got to squirt. If it ain't squirting, nah, you can't quit. Because that's just the way we were raised, you know? And so my point is, in all of this, is that this has got to be in you. But today, people don't want to work for anything. They want it just to be handed to you. And I'm just telling you, church, you're not going to develop a relationship with Jesus unless you're willing to work for it. You're not going to get your heart straight unless you're willing to work for it. And the first thing you got to start doing is you got to find somebody that has been before you that was successful, and then you got to say, you know, that's the kind of culture I want to live. You've got to have markers in your life, because if you just think you're just going to go willy-nilly off and get it all figured out, you're not going to make it. You have got to have markers to hit. You've got to have people that you're following. You've got to have peers. You've got to have that. If you don't, you're going to, you're going to miss it, Okay. The second thing is, the second weapon or, or place that we have to work in, and, and, one, and this is really a weapon God gives us, which you're going to say, Pastor, you tell me this all the time. I know what I'm telling you one more time. John 8, 31. John 8, 31. Jesus says to the Jews who believed him, it this If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Folks, we've got to operate in truth. Okay, so I just feel horsey. Um, like I said, that's what happens when you get, go off and get fresh. If y'all keep me beat down, I don't get get what's so a horsey. But it, it's just like truth. Like I can't stand some of the things going on right now. I can't stand that we have travel bans, okay, about COVID, unless you're an illegal who comes across a border, and then you can get on a bus or a plane and fly to any place in the United States you want to untested. And I'm like, how does this make sense where 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 is the reason I, I, I'm having a hard time following this I'm having a hard time following a person who paid for a um uh, whoa I'm gonna get in trouble paid paid money to a laboratory to develop a virus well, it just happened to get released all over the place and then he's going to tell me what I'm supposed to do. I have a hard time trusting that. Are you with me? There's just some things going on nowadays that I'm just looking at. And I'm like, really? You think I'm going to trust you in that? See, I feel confident that in 28 years of preaching up here, I may have said some things that I shouldn't have said, but I have know for 28 years I've preached to you, to you the word of God. I hadn't gotten off and preached out of the Reader's Digest, okay, or just told you some self-help something. I'm always pointing you back here. I feel fully confident. I mean, I'll argue anybody. Give me a room full of atheists. Here's the truth. Read it. Right? I don't have a problem with it. I'm fully well confident and know that the Bible is true and the Bible has the answer for your life. And if somebody comes to me and said, I don't know what to do, I'd say, I'd call on Jesus. Right? Okay. How do I know that? Because I know this to be true in my own life. I know this to be true in my life because I have put it into practice. This is how my family, we live, we pray, we believe. I know it's truth. And it's amazing how the truth sets you free. It heals your heart. It becomes a weapon out of God's armory to set you free. But if you don't know it, then you're not using it, right? You got to read it. You got to seek it out. You got you to gotta desire truth like, like, a, like a chicken fighting over the scratches got thrown out. Listen, I went on vacation, but I didn't go on vacation from Jesus. Man, my wife and I up every morning, we're reading our Bibles. We're, we're still looking. We're still talking. We're still studying. I mean, I don't, this is not my job. This is my life if I wasn't going to preach ever again, I'm still getting up and reading my Bible. It's not like something I have to do to come up, oh, i got to come up with a sermon. Like I was talking to some preachers one time from another denomination, and they were like, yeah, you know, all we do is, you know, they, they, they send us the list, and then, you know, of what scriptures we're supposed to use, and then we said to develop a sermon, and then once we develop the sermons, you know, we just keep them in files, and so we know that because they, they say, have the same stuff, and so it's just a file. I just had to go to the file cabinet, pull the sermon out there for that week after you've done it. And I'm like, really? That's how you get your message? And they're like, uh, Yeah. How do you do yours? I said, I pray and I read my Bible and I ask the Lord to tell me. Amen. He said, Well, doesn't that get difficult? You have to like, you know, listen. And I'm like. And I said, no, it's the easiest thing in the world because this is my life. This is not my job. This is my life. I'm never going to be not reading my Bible. If I went blind, I would get it on tape, you know. If I went deaf, I'd do something. I don't know what. I'd read Braille. I guarantee you what? The Word of God is alive. It's living. It's powerful. It's the only thing that can set you free. And do not let the devil talk you out of it. We were leaving early to go to, to, to drive, and I got up an extra hour early so I could read my Bible before I left. I'm not going to leave the house without reading my Bible. It it's, it's, has preeminence in my life because this is what creates me to be the man of God that I am. So it gives me the wisdom. So it gives me the passion to be able to, to sit in the truck and drive and not get angry at everybody on the road. Not be a raving fool before I'm 30 miles off the road and just, you know, down the road and just ready to just do something terrible. It's this that keeps me sane, keeps me right on track. And if I don't have it, see, people don't think there's any consequences for not walking in the truth. They don't think they're going to have any consequences for it. The world right now thinks they can go do what they want to, and they're going to get it, and there's not going to be a consequence. There's going to be a consequence. Folks, do you already see? How many of y'all... How many of y'all can get what you want now? You can't find anything anymore. We're acting like a third world country. You can't get stuff ordered. You can't get it in in time. Businesses are hurting. Prices are going up. Everything's going crazy. Why? Why? It just happened to be the time. Oh, it's the COVID. No, it's not. It's the whole process of going on here of wickedness. You can't have a nation that desires to to, to, to make a, the, one of the big things that they want is to kill babies. And I just, I just, folks, listen to me. Go in there. Listen to me. All y'all out there watching, everybody here. Go just get in your, foo, your, your foon, get your phone, and just go Google, uh, Google a four-week-old fetus and see what it looks like. Just go Google it. And you tell me that ain't a baby. Just go tell me, anything, but just come up here and try to prove. Just go Google it. It's on Google. Google it up. And you tell me that's not wrong. Folks, there's consequences for that. There's consequences for our actions. But if you have the truth in you and you have developed a culture in your life, this is the kind of person I want to be. I want to be a godly person. Well, then all of a sudden, God gives you these weapons out of his armory to defeat those things in your life that keep you from being that. But you got to be willing to take them out, and you got to be willing to use it, okay? Now, people. I've heard people say to me before, they say, well, you know, I try to read the Bible, but, I, you know, it's just hard. I don't understand it. You know, I remember when I first started reading the Bible, I, I, I knew a little about the Bible, but I, I never read the Bible, but I knew the, some stories and some stuff like that. And when I first started reading the Bible, I'll never forget, I started in, in Matthew, and I started reading, and then when I got to Mark, I was like, huh, it's the same story, right? Because I didn't know how it was set up. I didn't realize it was four books, four, train, you know, and, and, and then I got, you know, Matthew, and then I got to, then I got to it, Mark, and then I was like, huh, same story again. There's a lot in here about Jewish people. I mean, I knew Jesus wasn't an American, but you just kind of felt like he was, Right? And I realized there's some things, you don't know understand, But you know, after I just kept reading the Bible, kept reading the Bible, kept reading the Bible, you know? But, but the biggest problem I made was the first Bible I had was a King James, old King James. And so I was reading through it and it was, you know, you know how it says it, it phrases it like, uh, not like thou shalt not. I'd have to go back and remember the phrase exactly, but I couldn't figure out if he was saying for me to do it or not do it. And I said, now does that mean I should or shouldn't do that? Seemed to me I shouldn't do that. So I won't say that's saying. I shouldn't do that, you know. But my, my point was is as, I, as I kept reading, then it started to make sense, and it started to line up. But, it, yeah, I had to plow through it. You don't go to kindergarten and know how to do algebra, right? Some of us never figured it out. My point is, is you got to start somewhere, and you got to start working with it. You've got to do it. That's why the plan is so simple, to get you started, to get you reading, to get you going through, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my gosh, now I understand. Today, I still find words in the Bible, and they're in English. And I'm like, I wonder if that means what I think it means. And I had to go to the Webster's and look it up to see if it really means. Like this morning, I was reading one where... Where in, in Ezekiel, he said, um, and the glory of the Lord stood before me. And I thought, well, maybe I don't know what glory means. Because how did glory stand before you? So I had to do a little sidetrack and go and look up words and look at all this things to figure out, okay, how did glory stand before you? Unless that was the name of the person, right? But so my point is, I still don't understand every little thing. I don't just, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. But, you know, it's a great adventure. And it's who I want to be. I want to be a man who knows my God. That's the culture I want. I want my children, my grandchildren to be people, men and women, that know their God. Hello? Okay. So you're only going to get it with the truth. Now, the third weapon here. It's one you may not like, but that's okay. You're going to have to get over it. Go to Proverbs 18:21. Proverbs 18, 18 21. It simply says, Scripture you're probably familiar with, death and life's in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. Did you notice it says those who love it eat its fruit? Amen. Death and life's in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. Wow, do you realize that goes both ways? Yes. Those that love death, they're going to eat its fruit. Those that love life are going to eat its fruit. The weapon here that I'm talking about is what are you declaring you're going to be? You're not going to develop a culture if you're declaring out of your mouth something opposite. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're saying, oh, I want to be a good man, but then you're declaring out of your mouth, I'm going to rip that guy off when he comes in. Boy, a sucker born every minute, and here comes one. Are you with me? You can't declare something out of your mouth that is for death when you're trying to develop a culture and a vision for life. Your tongue has to be in line with where you want to go. Like out of my mouth, I declare every day, boy, Lord, I thank you that I am healthy, wealthy, and blessed. I am healthy, wealthy, and blessed. I walk around saying, man, I'm healthy, wealthy, and blessed. Something comes to me, looks like it's going to steal from me. I say, you're not going to steal from me because I'm healthy, wealthy, and blessed. According to Ephesians 1, 3, I've already been blessed. There is spiritual blessing in heavenly places. and So I'm already blessed. I'm a blessed man. Oh, according to Numbers 23, you can't curse me because God said I'm blessed. And if I'm blessed, I'm blessed. So I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to change because you can't line up in my life. That's not a part of my culture. And then when it doesn't start going right, then there's another part of me that wants to rise up and say, Well, you know, you've got to to get ugly on this one. And I said, No, I don't have to get ugly. I'm just gonna keep praying. God's gonna line it all up. See, your tongue has to line up with the direction you're going. If your tongue's in another place, you're never gonna get, you're never gonna come together. Okay? So death and life is in the power of your tongue. You know the scripture, James 3. And you can go through there and read it later. He talks about the tongue. The tongue's uh, the rudder of your life, the rudder of your ship that's going to lead you to wherever you're going to go. Well, how are you going to develop a culture in your life if your tongue doesn't line up with it? Now, I will admit, these times are trying times that we live in. And we want to get, you know, I'm saying we, because I know you probably feel like I do a lot of times. I just want to get angry. And I really want to just go to cussing and throwing and stomp my hat and tell everybody they're an idiot and grab my gun and go to war. But... I know that that's not really what God wants to do, and that's not going to be productive. So I had to make my tongue shut up and go forward. So I don't sit around and complain all day long about all the stupid things going on. I just declare what the truth is. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper, and every tongue that rises up against me in judgment is going to be condemned, because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, Isaiah fifty four seventeen. right? You've got to get your tongue lined up. You'll never be able... To use the weapons of God's armory in your heart to help you if your tongue doesn't line up with it. Because sometimes the Lord comes to me and speaks to me, and when he does, I, you know, I got to admit, sometimes I'm, I'm, I don't really want to hear it. Because he's usually talking about me. Robert, you need to quit doing this like I've said before man would not you want to go to a doctor and he looks and said oh we've done these tests and you have this disease and the only thing that's going to cure it is you you have to eat chocolate every day wouldn't it and you're like oh darn no you'd say thank you doctor finally a good report hello I mean, why not? Something really good. But so sometimes the Lord speaks to you and he says, You're gonna to need to adjust this. Well, that's where your tongue comes in. You have to say, Okay, Lord, your truth prevails over the ignorance of my own life. So I declare that I am going to la. I am going to ba. Right? You get your tongue working. It starts lining up your brain, starts lining up your heart, and then everything starts to function. Then the next thing you know, you've got your culture being developed. You know, the truth of the matter is, a law that's enacted by a government is never really going to keep people in check. And if you doubt that, then ask yourself, how many speeding tickets have you gotten in your life? Did that law keep you from speeding? But what scares me is we're going to get to a place where, with all the electronics on vehicles, that they're going to be able to regulate my speed. That's when we're going to have to figure out what wire to cut. (laughs) My point is, folks, it's something that we develop ourselves, and you become God's battle axe. Now, I'm not going to go into the second phase of this message. I'll save it for next week because we want to have communion this morning. But the second battlefront we have is where we are then out in the world, okay? So the first battlefront is you getting yourself lined up and your heart straight and your mind straight so that then we can be true battle axes in the world. Because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go out there and to be a, go to war to be a battle axe for God and have done something in your life that's not right because halfway out to the field, the devil's going to whisper in your ear, And you're going to get defeated before you ever get to the battlefront. Because you you do not want to go to war with the whisper in your ear, you're going to die, you're going to get shot, you're going to be the first one, you're not going to make it. You don't want that playing in your head while you're going into battle. Because you will be defeated. Right? That's why I've always said I can never play golf, because the, the demon behind golf speaks too strongly in my ear. There's no way. I get up there, I put that little ball down, I look at that sucker, it's got lips on it. <laughs> and it's just, it's just talking to me. It's talking, I don't have to worry about the guys, of course, they're relentless anyway talking trash to you. The ball itself is trash talking to me. And I'm up there, I line up, I look at it, it says, you're going to shank it, you, you know. It just starts talking to me. I hate it. I hate the ball. I just want to stomp the ball. Then I get mad. And I say, I'll show you. I will smack you out of here. And then that's the worst thing in the world. Next thing I know, I'm defeated, frustrated, and I just paid money to go get frustrated. So I don't do it. Okay. I want you to, I want you to have victory in your life. Amen. And so we got to get ourselves straight before then we can go out and do true battle in the world. But I just am telling you, church. Everywhere I went on this trip, I was God bless you, God bless you, tipping big, being generous. Everywhere I went, I wanted everybody to know that I was—I was—I uh, wanted to be a blessing, right? And and I could see it on people's faces. People are frustrated. That world out there is frustrated. We're still living in a little little pocket here of blessing. You don't get very far from utopia, you know. Everything looks pretty good. You don't think anything's going on, but out there, whoo, and I can't even imagine what it's like in the big city. So you're going to have to be God's battle axe, and we're going to win this war. We're going to take the nation. We're going to get it back straight. Everything's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to to have communion uh, for those of you at home. As I begin to serve communion here this morning, I'll, I'll, I'll bless your communion and, and you can have your communion there. Like Tracy said, if anybody feels that you don't want to come to the front and have communion there, we have our packets in the back for that. You can, you're you welcome to just go get a packet and, and and take communion in your seat right there, but we're going to be up here serving communion. And so uh, can I have my prayer team, my, my ushers and uh, uh, pastoral team, everybody come on down? And folks, this is just where, if this message, as I've been preaching this message to you, if you feel in your heart that God's showing you something, today's the day to get it straight right here at the altar. Amen? If you're out there watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know that that he died for you on the cross. You don't know that. And today's been a revelation for you. It's eye-opening because you determine you want a culture of Jesus in your life. Well, then I tell you what, right there, just call out to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be a part of my life. Today is a day that I give you my life and invite him in and he'll touch you right there. If you're in the building today, we're a prayer team. We're going to have a whole full prayer team up here today. If you need prayer about anything, anything that's going on with you, praying for somebody else, you know, don't get embarrassed because I thought about this one day. I thought, I wonder if people won't come to the and pray with people because they don't want everybody to think they're getting saved. Folks, listen to me. That's, that, that has nothing to do with anything. We're up here today to pray with you because we believe in a God of miracles. We're up here today to pray with you. If you just are burdened about a person and you want some agreement, the Bible says that we agree, two of us agree it's touching anything, he'll do it. Well, then that's why we're up here to pray. If you are in here and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're not sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Well, yes, you do need to pray with one of these people. But it's personal. It's just you and them pray. Amen. And so, get your hearts prepared. Let God speak to you today. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, now take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Lord, we thank you for this bread and what it represents. We thank you, Lord God, for going to the cross for us and your body being broken so that we could be made whole. Lord we stand with everyone today as they receive communion That they're healed in their bodies In Jesus mighty name So take Now and eat The bread Then afterwards they took the cup And they said this cup It's a new covenant It's poured out of my blood for the Forgiveness of sins What a powerful thing church to have that point of faith today that whatever you've done, whatever there may be guilt in your life about, whatever you may be dealing with, maybe an issue in your heart that you need to forgive someone today so that your heart can be clean and you can go and do what God's called you to do. It's right here today. All you have to do is repent and ask Him for it. So Lord, we thank you for this cup. In Jesus' mighty name, Take it.